Evaluating an early concept usually involves creating a prototype. What is a prototype? It's an unfinished, unresolved design idea that demonstrates some aspect of the future artifact. It can be a 3D construction, physical model, it could be a physical space that you mock up, a virtual model, an animation, a short film, a test program or code, a proof of concept, a storyboard, an interactive interface with lots of visual detail, or conversely, an interactive interface with very little visual detail, paper or cardboard type of prototype, or even something that's a simulation or role play, like Wizard of Oz. Some key characteristics of a prototype include that it simulates the real thing to illustrate form, function, or features. Usually, all or almost all of it is throwaway, including the code or hardware, and most importantly, it's meant to test your idea on others. To paraphrase the excellent publication, What to Prototypes Prototype, the purpose of a prototype is really up to you. Typically, it either helps in one of the two ways. Helps you explore your ideas to see what does or doesn't work, or it can help you validate your solution. The first tends to be more low fidelity, or what designers call lo-fi. It is more rough and often doesn't include detailed design, so it doesn't usually consider aesthetics or look and feel. The latter, where you're looking more at validating your solution, is medium to higher fidelity or hi-fi, and usually is a lot more dynamic or interactive. In the very best of projects, you will create a series of prototypes beginning with lo-fi, and you learn and update your design to one that becomes higher fidelity. This is, of course, iteration. That is, progressively refining your design by building, testing, evaluating, and modifying. It's important to consider what is it that you want to prototype in the first place? What are your most critical, unresolved design questions? Also, you have to think about what you won't prototype. A prototype can't possibly explore everything that's in question. You also have to think about what you hope to learn or communicate by creating the prototype. Who's the intended audience? What form or artifact should your prototype take? And likewise, what tools should you use to build your prototype? And what are your constraints that you're under? Time, resources, budget, all that good stuff. From that, you determine what interactions you need to communicate, what form will best communicate this, and then lastly, what tool to use to build it. To bring this to life, let's think a little bit around our story-based exercise app. First, let's talk through what might be some good goals that would result in different types of prototype artifacts. One example of a good goal would be to see if people understand the concept and premise without any explanation and how they explain the prototype to others. Another example would be a prototype that helps you understand how pre people react to the idea of the prototype and how they might compare it to other tools that they've used in the past to try and exercise, and then use that to understand where one shines and the other one might have some shortcomings. Now let's say you want to see how people naturally react to the cliffhanger. You could then present that aspect to them, see what they do whenever they're presented with it, and how they feel about it, which would result in a very different prototype than the earlier two. And as a final example, let's say you want to show your stakeholders a very specific interaction. Let's say how the user interacts with the share with a friend feature. And you want to demonstrate not only the feature itself, but also have the team discuss and understand the technical feasibility around it. That would be a really different prototype 
than the first three. Now, in contrast with those examples, let's talk about prototypes that might have some poor goals behind it. You don't want to create a prototype to use as a demo and explain to people how it works and then ask what they think about it or how they might use it. You also don't want to use a prototype to show people what the UI will look like and ask if they like how it looks. And of course, you never want to enter that checklist mentality where you're doing it simply to fulfill some part of the process without really having a clear rationale behind the prototype itself. In other words, you don't have a clear question that you're asking of yourself before you actually design the prototype. So in thinking through the purpose of a prototype, what have you extracted? It's what makes for sound reasoning for a good prototype and the things that you might need to consider before jumping into building it out. Next, let's explore how and when do you go about making a prototype? How you choose to build and show your prototype really depends on what you want to learn. In other words, the success of a prototype rests with selecting an artifact that complements your area of focus and goals. You should only prototype the bare minimum that you need to in order to learn what it is that you set out to learn. Nothing more and nothing less. And don't worry about it being too perfect or too comprehensive. What do you use to create a prototype and what materials? You may have heard people talk about various digital tools like Sketch or Figma or Marvel, but there's really no one right tool for prototyping. Likewise, there's no one right time to create your prototype. I mentioned low fidelity and rapid prototyping, but honestly, it tends to get short shrift. When you hear designers talk about building prototypes, they tend to have already settled on a direction in their wireframes or mockups. And the prototype is usually for the purpose of doing usability testing. That is where you're trying to fine tune the UI and the overall experience rather than test the merit of the idea itself. So I'd like to spend a little bit of time advocating for flipping that model whenever you can to something that comes sooner, faster, and more messy than the usual prototype. The other thing I'd like to highlight is that for some of us more analog types, that non-digital ways of prototyping can be just as rich or even richer than creating digital prototypes. Physical prototyping is simply where you use random bits and bobs that you find lying about and then use these to rapidly assemble something that's just barely enough to get others to make believe and imagine what your idea is or the interaction that they're meant to experience. It can even be something like role-playing or acting things out or little slips of paper that are clustered or organized like in a card sort. Regardless of form, this loose analog type of prototype is something I like to call assumption prototyping. Are you feeling incredulous and skeptical about the whole concept? Well, let me state my case. If we think of the prototype as a means of resolving a question, it becomes readily apparent that your biggest, most important questions are going to happen sooner in the process rather than later. So it makes sense to churn out a prototype as soon as you possibly can. As I mentioned earlier, your prototype doesn't even necessarily need to have an interface or anything tangible. It can more closely resemble a skit rather than an artifact. Now let's talk time and budget. How many times have you been told to take as long as you need to and spend as much money as you like when you're developing your sketches or ideas? 
Oh, like never, you say? It doesn't get any cheaper or faster than whipping up an artifact or two to quickly learn what you can and not overly investing in defining the details. Sometimes your prototype can come together in a matter of a few minutes or a few hours. This has the added benefit of not letting you get too attached to your idea. Your prototype here will definitely not be precious. Lastly, let's talk about how including lots of realistic details can affect the feedback that you might be soliciting. If something looks like it's still a work in progress and rough around the edges and sketch-like, what does that communicate to your research participant? And if your prototype looks more or less complete, then what message does that send about the type of feedback that you're looking for? Which of the two do you think might allow your participant to feel more confident about actively contributing their ideas? The more ambiguous and crude your prototype appears to be, the more likely your participants are to project their own ideas into it and fill in gaps with their imagination and open the discussion and take it in directions in a way that you might not get if you were to have something that was a lot more locked down and a lot more realistic. Of course, prototyping in this way early on and with very rough materials and with complete abandon is a mindset unto itself. So let's talk a little bit about that rapid prototyping mindset so that you feel ready and confident to jump into it. The first principle or first type of mindset you need to have in place is to consider it as a very rough draft. You're just putting enough out there for someone to be able to heavily edit it for you. This also means you have to enter into the process with the assumption that you're going to be challenged or flat out wrong. And of course, you need to be ready to throw it all away and be okay with that. To that end, you want to be investing the minimum possible time and effort so that you don't feel heartbroken whenever you do have to throw it away or someone tears your work apart. I know it's tempting to fill in the details, but resist. And don't reinvent the wheel if it's not necessary. Be sure and repurpose materials for physical prototypes, meaning finding things that are already around you, whether it's things that you're finding in your surrounding environment or liberally borrowing from things that you can find that already exist out there. You can also look at existing concepts and analogies, borrow UI, language design patterns, and conventions, whatever you can find and put in there. Again, just enough to jog people's imagination. The other part of the mindset is not getting too attached, not only to your prototype itself, but to a particular type of prototyping tool. So always begin with your goal in mind rather than being led by your tool. And lastly, as part of the prototyping mindset, as much as you can, you don't want to guide anyone through the prototype. You have to release it into the wild. You might need a scenario to set it all up. This is where telling a story with your prototype can be important to set that context. But at a certain point, it comes a bit like teaching someone to ride a bicycle. You have to let go and just let them do what they're going to do and you learn from the experience along the way and from the sidelines. So with that in mind, hope you understand some of the benefits of jumping into prototype much earlier on than you might anticipate and before you actually get to the validation stage of the design thinking process. Prototypes can be done at any point in the process, and there's cases that can be made 
uh, for including it early on, the midpoint, or even at the very end when you think everything's been wrapped up, a prototype can lead to the next cycle or the next iteration. So be sure to think about your goals first before you select a tool, before you select the type of prototype you want to create, and the form or shape that it might end up being.